Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Welcome to episode 25. Yeah. Are we going to do something different this time? Yes, but I'm not going to say that because <laughs> you always make fun of me. So. Okay. But, but what we're going to do different is we're going to jump right to the story pretty quickly. But before we do, what's new, Laura? Well, we just had Easter. Easter was good. It's My family Easter. at home on the farm has a wiener roast for Easter. Wow. Which nothing says Christ is risen <laughs> like hot dogs and s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But they had a good time, and I wish we could have been there with them. We also got our shots. Yes, we went to Dodger Stadium and got our first vaccines. And it was such (laughs) a trip because, for one thing, it felt like it was historical, like how, you know, during World War II, they would turn a convent into a field hospital or something. (laughs) It felt like that. But they had all these cones, and you had to drive through, you know, row after row of cones. But they weren't lined up with cars, so you're just driving. Zoop, zip, zip, Yeah, zip, it was zip, like zip. one of those driving courses. Like for... when, um, like in Shrek, when they went to the city of Dulac. Uh, Dulac, right, Dulac, and yeah. the guys going through all the... Uh... The roped off, you know, the velvet ropes, and they just keep going back and forth. Right, even though there's nobody there. Right. There, there was hardly anybody there. Well, although we did have to sit for a while. You know what? Wouldn't it be great if somebody was serving Dodger dogs in the line of cars, hot dogs? That would be cool, but I'm not sure it's super COVID friendly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I don't know if they recommend, you know, hot dogs and the, the shot. Yeah, exactly. So we're halfway there. We're getting right. our second one in a few more weeks and we can't wait. Right. We also have been teaching online and we taught in Brazil for four weekends in a row That's one thing about the pandemic. It's easier to get to Brazil when you're teaching on Zoom than it is to make a trip there. Yes, although I'd love to make a trip there. And after we got done, several of them said, well, you have a place to stay in Rio de Janeiro whenever you want. Yes. So we had a translator. It was really interesting to do improv where they were improvising in Portuguese, which is the language in Brazil. And how much you could kind of understand. Right. I have to say, and I'll brag on you a little bit, you were remarkable because how you could tell when they were getting to the end of a song just by the rhythm of what they were saying, not the content, which tells us a lot about what people absorb when they're listening to a song. So often we as improvisers think the words are the most important thing and your character and and the rhythm of your singing is what matters while we're teaching a class. There you go. (laughs) Excellent. You got that for free. (laughs) And speaking of teaching, we're going to do a workshop, an online workshop with Vintage Improv the weekend of April 17 and 18. But it's already sold out. But we are probably going to continue to do online workshops even as live things become opening up, yeah. open up. So if you want to get on our mailing list, if you would be interested in a workshop, that's the way to do it. You can go to my website, laurahall.com, and get on the mailing list if you want. Great. All right, let's get to the story. Yeah, that's what we were going to do different, was not talk a lot and then get right <laughs> to the story. <laughs> and then we talked a lot. There you go. So uh, this is a story that Rick recorded here at home. It's called Captain Friendly.
If you have ever driven in L.A., you know our traffic is bad. The highways are always packed with cars. And there are certain interchanges on the highway that are extra bad, and you want to avoid them if you can. One of them is where the 101 West meets the 405 North and South. You've got five lanes of traffic going west and two lanes to exit to the 405 North or South. One lane for the South, one lane for the North. And when you line up in your lane to exit the 405 South, it can take 10 minutes to get to the exit ramp. You just wait in line because that's what good people do. They wait. But there's always some jerk that whips along in that 101 West lane like they're not making the exit. And at the last second, they whip in in front of somebody and get onto the exit ramp without waiting their turn. Okay, I learned in grade school it's not right to cut in line. But man, it happens all the time. And it's it's really infuriating. As a matter of fact, where the split in the highway is, that median, it is very common to see a couple of cars that have been in a fender bender and they're exchanging insurance information. Well, I was on my way to an audition in Santa Monica, which means I had to take the 101 West to the 405 South. And it was packed. And I was waiting in line with all the law-abiding citizens. But as I got closer to the interchange, I could see... There were two cars off in the median. Probably had a fender bender, right? So I'm creeping along, and as I get closer, I see there's a a young woman sitting on the ground behind, I assume, her car. And she's leaning against the back bumper, but she has her knees pulled up to her chest and her head buried in her hands on her knees. And she's crying. I can hear her through my open window. I mean, she's sobbing. And there's a big hairy man standing over, waving his finger at her and talking really loud. And as I get closer, I think maybe I should help. Oh, I should mention my family, my my daughters and my wife call me Captain Friendly because I will stop and talk to anybody. (laughs) It can be annoying to them, I'm sure. I'll do it in the grocery store, on the street, on a plane, you name it. And if somebody's stuck on the highway, I'll stop and help them, or try to. So as I pull up to this scene, I lean out the window, and I say to the hairy man, Hey, everything okay? And he says, No, it's not okay. Does it look okay to you? What the hell, man? I said, Do you want me to help? He said, No, just stay in your car and drive away. What do you think? Of course we need some help. Well, I'm Captain Friendly, and he asked for help. So I pulled over and I got in the median, got out of my car, walked over to the girl right past the hairy man, and I sat down with the girl and I said, Hi, my name is Rick and I want to help you if I can. What's your name? She said, My name is Sarah and we had an accident and I'm having an anxiety attack. I've had one before and I can't breathe when I get like this. And he's yelling at me and he's making it worse. Make him stop. Make him stop yelling. I said, okay, I'll try. I stood up and I faced the hairy man, and this was the first time I realized just how big this guy was. He's a huge guy. I did not want to be in some kind of physical confrontation with this guy, so I thought, you know what? He needs a voice of authority to talk to him, to tell him to back off. Well, I've played a cop on TV several times, and I have a cop voice, So I thought, I'll do that. 
Now, to be very clear, I didn't say I was a cop at any time. I didn't pretend I was a cop. I just used my cop voice. I said, Sir, I need you to go back to your vehicle, sit down in it, and wait for me. Don't step out of that car until I come back to you. He said, Who were you to tell me what I can and can't do? I said, Sir, did you not understand my directions? I told you to go sit in your vehicle and wait for me. Is that clear what I have said? Is that clear? Hey, calm down, man. What's, what's everybody getting so upset about? Yeah, yeah, calm down. <laughs> I wish the casting director had seen that audition. That was pretty good. So I went back to Sarah, and I sat down with her, and I said, Sarah, he's gone now. Is there somebody you could call that would help you, that we could talk to? I'll make the phone call. She said, can I call my boyfriend, Mike? I said, sure, sure. And she gave me the number, and I dialed it, and I handed her the phone, and she talked to Mike, and she calmed down. And when she hung up, I said, Sarah, what happened? She said, I was waiting in line, like everybody else, and he came flying up, and, and he just swerved in front of me, and I hit him. Sarah, it's no big deal. It's an accident. And you've got insurance, right? Yes. Well, well, just take care of it. It's no big deal. You couldn't stop in time, and you hit him. It's an accident. She said, no, I hit him on purpose. I said, what? He needs to be taught a lesson. He can't do that. Everybody else was waiting in line. He needs to be taught a lesson. So I ran into him. Oh, you know what, Sarah? I'm going to call the police, and they can straighten this out. I think that'd be great, don't you, to have the police here? She said, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I got up and I called the police, and then I walked over to check on the hairy man, who, by the way, was still sitting in his car where I had told him to sit. Oh, I was good. And he had calmed down by then. So I said, hey, man, what's going on? He said, I'm just trying to get to work, man. And I tried to get in the lane for the 405 South, and nobody will let me in. I had my blinker on for like a mile, and nobody would let me in. And then I saw an opening, you know, and so I pulled in in front of her. And I'm in the lane. I'm safely in the lane. And then she takes her car and runs into me. Oh, man, my boss is going to be so mad at me. Oh, man, I may get fired for this. I said, you know what? The police are coming. I can hear the sirens right now. Let's let them straighten it out. The police got there, and I went over and introduced myself, and they made it pretty clear that they did not need Captain Friendly at the crash site. So I left, and I went to my audition, which, by the way, I did not get. But that's okay. My job is to audition. Occasionally I book a job, but no, my real job is just auditioning. You know what I did get? I got a call from Sarah a week later. Now, I'd never heard her when she wasn't upset. She was very businesslike. Hi, Rick, this is Sarah. You helped me about a week ago on the highway. Oh, yeah, Sarah, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for your help. Um, I wondered if I could ask you another favor. I said, well, yeah, sure, and I'll do it if I can. She said, I'm taking him to court, and I want you to testify that it was his fault. I said, uh, well, I can't do that. Why can't you? Well, you told me you did it on purpose, right? Yes, but he needs to learn a lesson, and the best way to teach him a lesson is take him to court, and he loses. I said, Sarah, I will not testify that it was his fault, because it wasn't. It was your fault. 
Really? That's it? Yeah, that's it. Well, thanks for helping me last week anyway. Thanks a lot. And she hung up. Okay, I tell this story knowing full well that I'm kind of the idiot in the story. I completely misread this situation. And I got to tell you, I like to think I'm an open-minded guy. I try not to judge people by race or gender or or religion or, or anything. I like to think I'm woke, you know. But that day, I pulled up there and I looked at the situation and immediately decided who was the victim and who was the bad guy. Why? Because Sarah reminded me of my own daughter's. In my defense, and I'm not justifying the fact that I profiled this poor guy, in my defense, we can't help but see things through the lens of our own past experiences. But hopefully, an episode like this expands our vision, you know? As we get older, maybe we see the world more clearly. Hey, maybe I'm woke now, huh? And hopefully, if I'm ever in this situation again, I'll be better at handling it. To be honest, my biggest regret from the day was that I knew Sarah's name and I had her phone number. I could call her if I needed to. But the hairy man was just that. The hairy man. I didn't even know his name. And I wished I'd had his phone number too because I would have called him. Yeah, I wished I could have checked on him to make sure he was okay. I would have even offered to call his boss and explain that the reason he was late that day was because he was a victim of road rage. And I would do it, too, because when it comes down to it, I'm still Captain Friendly. So we really do call Rick Captain Friendly. Yes, you do. Yes. And I'm sure it drives my kids nuts that oh, yeah. like, we would go anywhere and I would talk to everybody. I mean, he would take the dog for a walk and be gone for five minutes, and he'd come back and he'd be like, I met our new neighbor at the park, and they just moved here from North Carolina, and she's a lawyer, her husband's a, an EMT, and they decided to move here. <laughs> I'm like, you were gone for five minutes. <laughs> hey, in my defense, though, I come by it naturally. My mom was Captain Friendly, and it did drive us nuts as kids. Yeah. That we would go to the store and it would take forever just to do a quick shopping trip at the store because mom had to talk to everybody. It's like we'd go down the bread aisle and it would take 25 minutes. <laughs> well, also, it's a small town. Right. So right. she knew everybody pretty much. Right. But I will say this. Even in L.A., you run into people you know and then you got to talk to them, honey. <laughs> And here is the difference between Rick and his mom. Uh -oh. Rick's mom is always very sweet. I mean, she is catching up on the gossip, but she's always very sweet. Rick, on the other hand, I can know where be the, a, I know where this is going. a okay. bit of a smart aleck. Okay, so he's friendly, but also in a smart alecky way. It's my improv nature, Laura. I can't right. help it. Tell the story about uh, coming home from Target. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Laura was pregnant, and she was feeling uncomfortable. I said, let's go for a walk. And we walked to Target, which was about a mile away from our house. And on the way back, we're carrying our bags from Target, and we see a couple walking their dog down our street, and they stop and let their dog poop in our neighbor's yard. Now, they're supposed to pick it up. That's the law. You can't just leave poop in somebody's yard. It's also just wrong, morally wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like the police are going to come swooping down. The poop police are coming in. 
hey, we're the poop police. But anyway, so they leave it. They leave the poop, and they see the dog do it. It's not an accident. They stand there and watch it, and then they walk away. And this, there's this big stinking pile of dog poop in our neighbor's yard. So I take our two plastic bags. I put everything in one bag. I run up. I grab the dog poop with a bag. I catch up to the couple, and I say, hey, you guys, I'm so glad I caught you. This fell out of your dog's butt. And then I handed them the dog poop, and they were so surprised, they just smiled and said, thank you, and I walked away. They didn't know what to do. (laughs) And then, remember, you could see their faces as I walked back to you. They were horrified. They ran from our neighborhood. You were friendly and smart-alecky. I I was helping our neighbors, honey. Yes, exactly. Well, we always like to end an episode with a dog poop story, so there you have it. Yeah, but I do want to say one thing. We love it that we have such a nice, loyal fan base listening to the show. It's not huge, but you're loyal. I see the numbers every week, and they're slowly growing. And we really appreciate that you're with us on our our little journey here that's coming up on a year pretty soon. So, if you'd do us a favor and write a review, whatever podcast format you listen to, that would be great. We'd appreciate it. And from what I understand, those reviews help you get more listeners. It's crazy. I know. And tell your friends. It's That's like, another way to get more listeners. Wow. We've got this whole marketing thing figured out. Okay, enough talk. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>